When is the last time you listened to a podcast about web development, web design, and small business and didn't fall asleep? Yes, we cover web development, web design, and small business, but like actual human beings with personalities. If you're a beginner, we're not going to talk over your head. It's more like asking your buddy for help. We have guests, we have fun, and let me tell you, these two can get off on a tangent. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to HTML All The Things Podcast. This is Matt Lawrence and Mike Curran. That's right, everybody. We're back, and this is episode 115, Balancing Stacks and Technologies. Actually, that's wrong. Balancing Different Stacks and Technologies. Title changed a few times. I'm Matt. That's Mike, and this week we'll be discussing working with multiple stacks and different technologies, as the title obviously suggests. And then, in the web news, are we only as good as our last ticket? Now, if this sounds interesting to you and you want to support the show, you can go check us out on that Patreon, leave a review or rating on your podcast app, join us in our Discord server, or share this with your friends. And now it's time for our weekly pain points. So, Mike, please take it away. All right. Uh, so, yeah, this week I was actually on vacation all last week, so I don't have too many weekly pain points. I had a pretty good time. Uh, really relaxing out in the forest, all good there. But the thing that I did struggle with was slow internet. So out in rural Canada, um, they just don't have very good internet. And I was I was like outside of a minor major city, I guess, like a, a, a fairly large city. And I wasn't that far away. Uh, so I guess I, I was lucky enough to have internet or like have okay-ish internet enough to like stream, you know, Netflix at 720 and stuff like that. But even then, after going, after coming from my gigabit connection here, going to there, I did notice a few little hiccups in my routine. Like I wasn't able to pull or push from Git as fast as I would like. Um, I had issues just connecting and receiving emails sometimes. So just intermittent intermittent drops were pretty often. Uh, so I had to like either walk around the place to try to find a better Wi-Fi spot or turn my Wi-Fi on and off or just wait sometimes like five minutes for the internet to kick back in. So that was a pain, um, stuff like that. So it's just, I feel like as a country or, or in general, we need to get the rural internet up so that people can start moving outside of major cities. And it would like it would be awesome to be able to go to the cottage for the summers, for the entire summer, and still be able to work no problem. That's kind of my goal in life is eventually maybe buy a cottage, go work there in the summers. I uh, enjoy, you know, the lakes and rivers and forests and stuff like that, and then come back to the cities for the winters or however that works. But uh, so far, I don't think I can do that because obviously I rely on the internet full time for my job. If I have intermittent, intermittent drops, that's no good. If I have really slow internet, that's also no good because I also do a lot of meetings and stuff online. Like, I don't think we could, I don't think Matt, you and I could do the podcast with the internet there because it was just, the upload especially was really bad. So we definitely wouldn't be able to do video. And even with audio, there would probably be delays and drops and stuff like that. So hopefully at some point it's fixed. Well, the one thing, one thing to say is like, I do have somebody with very slow internet um, and like a bad, like a pretty bad infrastructure as well. And a lot of people using the internet, I'm not going to like get into the details of who it is, but like on my other podcast, well, you could probably just tell by listening to that podcast. And that person drops pretty consistently just due to the amount of people on their internet and it being rural internet. Like you're saying, it's just the way it is. Um, 
and we do deal with it, but it is annoying. It's like, I gotta like splice in their audio and they get dropped and then we have to like re like stealthily sneak them back in. Then I gotta like resync their audio and stuff. So it is like cumbersome to an extent, but it's like, I'm used to it. It only takes me like a couple of minutes, right? It sounds like it's a lot of work, but it's like two minutes, right? But you are right. It's not as convenient as this. And we can't do video. Like we just don't do video and we can't do video. He has enough download, of course, because usually upload is slower than download, especially in the case of rural internet, which is often DSL or other things. Um, so there's like that whole limitation as well, not to get into the weeds of it, but I don't know. Internet, internet's weird now because it's, it's one of those things where it's like satellite internet gave the rural internet or rural people internet in general, there's DSL and stuff like that. Like you're saying, if you're close to like a, you know, cl- close to a minor city or whatever you want to call it, a country city, as I call them usually. But, um, it's one of those things that just suck. Cause it's like, why would, you know, if you put in a fiber line in a city and it's, you know, I don't know, a hundred feet, totally just make it stuff up in a hundred feet. You might, you know, pass by a hundred people in like a weird, in like a, not a weird, but in a huge, uh, skyscraper or something. Right. Or in some like crazy configuration of, uh, houses, depending on how densely packed a city is. Right. Whereas in the country, it's like a hundred feet might get you maybe to the neighbor's house and God knows whether they're going to be the person that buys your service too. So like there's, there's that whole money problem thing too. So it's, I don't know what the, what's weird to me, and like, I don't experience, I haven't done my research, and like, maybe you would know, is there, they have, um, I forget what they call it, direct line or some crap, where they connect to, uh, like the mobile network, like the, the phone network, and they, people always complain it's really bad, it's really slow, it's really this, it's really that, but yet people live stream from their phones on like travel channels and stuff like that all the time, and like people use their phone for a whole bunch of stuff. Like, I want to know, like, is, is the, maybe that's the answer. Like, maybe bolstering the mobile network out there, because the mobile network is out there. Maybe bolstering just the mobile network. Like, getting, getting you, you know, 20 down, 20 up. Because I presume this was, this sounds like it was like 5 down, 0.6 up. That's what it sounds like it was. Something which like is, that, yeah. Which is like a basic, a basic DSL package, realistically, just mm-hmm. from a technological and whatever standpoint. That's, that's about right. That's what I used to have. Um... And without management, that's bad. Like, it was okay here because I know how to manage my network traffic, but, like, there it was pretty bad. Like, or, like, out in places where, you know, you're, like, you don't, you're not managing someone, the, the cottage you rented's infrastructure. <laughs> so, like, obviously, right? That's the problem. Um, and the only reason why this other person on my other podcast is allowed to even, you know, use his internet realistically for games and modern things is because, like, I've helped him manage it, more or less. And so, like, there's that whole... There's that whole component. Like he even streams with streams with us sometimes. And that's all due to management. If his internet was left to the wild west, which most of these places are, it's, it's a disaster. Right. And there's limitations even with management. It's like, you just can't upload sometimes, or if you upload, it's going to kill the internet. Or like you're saying, it might have drops and stuff. You might need a new router or whatever. And that's the thing that sucks about internet. There's just so many components, including the money-making angle from the ISPs with like the hundred foot cable example, where it's just like, the rural internet situation is messy. However, the CRTC has some sort of rural internet plan that they've initiated that I haven't researched. So hopefully that pans out, I suppose. But So, yeah, uh, just to dive a little bit deeper into this, you were asking about the mobile internet, and that's absolutely an option. Um, a lot, like, it's probably something that's mostly used out there at this point. Uh, but it does have its drawbacks. Like, for gaming, I don't think it's fast enough, or, like, the latency is not there. The, the, ping, um, the ping usually ain't the, great. 
yeah, the ping with mobile internet, especially in con- in the country, because the mobile internet in the country, yes, you can get it from far away because there's not a lot of buildings stopping it, but also means that you're so far away from the tower that your ping goes up. Right. right? So in the city, yeah, you're always close to the, the towers and stuff like that, and therefore your ping is decent, but in the country, not so much unless you get lucky. Um, so that's definitely an option. But then again, then you're hit with data caps, right? So you got like, you know, 50 gigs for over $100 a month so you you got to balance that out uh is that enough for you like if you're doing video chatting if you're doing zoom calls is that enough for you to get by if you want to stream something as well like is, is 50 gigs enough um and but the, the thing that i'm most excited about is starlink which is elon musk satellite internet mm-hmm. uh, because it's in it's not in the full orbit like the satellite orbit it's in a, a, a lower orbit the problem with satellite internet right now is like you can get it out in the country, but the ping is over a second. So that's completely useless if you want to do anything that requires any sort of real-time communication. So again, gaming out of the question. Real-time calls. Imagine if it were a second, at least a second delay every time. It would just be a pain. Like it's doable probably if you're patient, but it's still a pain. Yeah, like Obvi- I, me- I remember our one friend, uh, our one friend Aaron, he used to have satellite internet years and years ago now. And, like, he was able to game with us. But the problem was is, first of all, the weather would affect it. Um, I think he was lucky and maybe got, like, I think his ping wasn't, I think his ping was maybe a tenth of a second. Like, God knows what he paid for that thing, probably a lot. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know a lot about satellite internet, to be clear. But weather certainly affected it, and time, too. Like, if uh, it was during the day and people were using it a bunch, maybe even the sunlight affected it, I don't know. You know, he it was bad, but at night he was fine, type of thing, or fine-ish, <laughs> to be clear. Yeah, it depends on the position of the satellite and stuff, but yeah, so it's it's all over the place. Starlink, the rumored numbers or the leaked numbers that have been coming out for the closed beta have been really good um, for for satellite internet. Like the the ping has been uh, like under ten milliseconds, I think, in the ten millisecond to twenty millisecond range, which is fine. Like that's that's totally doable, and uh, the speed has been pretty decent. So I mean, I'm putting my hopes on that. I think in a year or two years' time, when they get it all worked out, it would it could be a real solid contender to everything else in the rural areas. I don't think it's going to be a contender in regular cities because again, it's probably going to be pretty expensive, and it's not going to be the same speed. Like I'm not going to be able to get gigabit internet with uh, zero latency like I have right now for the amount of money I'm paying. So I, I don't think it's going to be a huge competitor toward, towards Bell and Rogers, which is why I think it'll actually will be pretty important for the rural areas. Because if it was a huge competitor to Bell and Rogers, which is our big two big companies here, there's more companies, I, I feel like they would just knock it out of the sky, essentially. <laughs> like, they wouldn't let it ha- happen. You know, it. The, the, other, the other component of this too is honestly like what people are doing um like you were saying the video calling and all that that type of stuff like you know maybe starlink is the the answer to that but um video calling that type of thing it, you know if it's unreliable on tr- traditional that whatever the cell phone network or if it's if it's if it's not good on the on the satellite internet the thing is is a lot of these people like i do know some people because uh, i live in a town and like there's farms and all around the town and i do know some people in farms and they know they have no problem with five five down 0.1 out because they never upload all they do is watch netflix netflix automatically you know brings it down to 720 they never notice and then that's it because the activities of people outside of a town are often 
different as well, right? Now, whether that's due to the fact that people that need the internet are forced to live in cities or whatever, right, is is a question. But a lot of the a lot of the time, these people are literally farmers. So it's like they're out in the field. They're not like, man, I need to up my productivity with an Apple Watch. They're like, no, I need to, you know, use literally the tractor that cost me a million or whatever. You know, it's literally, they just have oftentimes from my personal experience, different, literally just different lives. Yeah, different needs for the internet. The only the only counter argument to that is now that schools are going to more and more online, mm-hmm. the farming, the kids have to be forced to be able to adapt to these slow internets now. And they're having a serious issues They're especially now you can't even go to the library and stuff. Um, yeah. Or maybe now you can, but you, you couldn't before, like you can't even do that. So you have to just either not go to school if you have no internet or figure something out. So that I think that's going to help them i i I agree with you not everyone obviously needs the upload and not everyone needs the good latency but it's it's becoming more and more important even for even for people that technically don't need it yeah because taxes and anything really and then especially these days where you you know shelter in place depending on your jurisdiction whatever depending on where you live if you're being told to quarantine whatever and you need to do your taxes or do do banking or something you know you you don't want your something as simple as a transfer to constantly be interrupted. Like, oh, oh, the internet went down. I was trying to type in my, like, amount I wanted to transfer or whatever out of my account, and the internet went down. Great. So definitely more and more things are just becoming digital, even for the people that don't live sort of, quote-unquote, digital lives. Uh, But my weekly pain point uh, uh, is uh, constant delays, actually. So uh, I'm not going to get into, like, the specifics and all the rest of it, but it's just we have a couple of projects that are, like, due out and like we've done everything we can like we're done our part in in most of these whoa in most of these cases and uh like we're done we're done our part in most of these cases and it's just like whether it's caught up in red tape or caught up in office delays or like god knows what it's just constant delays and it's just one of these things where like last week mike was gone i was going to stream a bunch but then i did all my prep work because these projects were supposed to go live and then they ended up not going live and they're still going on and then it's just like it's just like, I'm done. Realistically, I'm done my part and I'm being brought in for the odd question or whatever, but it's just like, wait, 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 wait. And it could blow up at any time. So there's like the anticipation of that. And it, it's just, it's a, it's a mess. And like, I'm sure we've all experienced it, especially if you've been a person that's released a bunch of projects into production. I'm sure you've like, you know, hit this a few times with projects. It's just the way it is, gets caught up and just like a sticky web of like whatever office politics, red tape, whatever it is for the particular project, but it, it is a mess. And that's, that's kind of where, where we're at on, I think two or three of our projects at least right now. But, um, but well, I think we'll just move on right into the, uh, right into this, right into the main thing here. So there's only one segment because it's going to be kind of more con, uh, uh, conversational. Mike has added a bunch and uh, I added a bunch as well. So I'll kind of go through my part and Mike can go through his and we'll chat away as per the norm here. So, As a web agency, you'll be tasked to balance all sorts of things from migrating old sites to making brand new websites that plug into existing old ones. For example, adding forums to an an old dated site where they don't want to quite retrofit it yet or fix it up or get a new one yet. Some web agencies or freelancers, you know, select a specific stack and work with very specific technologies to deliver websites to their clients, whether it be something like WordPress with a very specific set of plugins. So, for example, this is typically due to the fact that a lot of the paid plugins, not all, but a lot of the paid plugins out there for WordPress do offer agency licenses. So what it would do is you buy an agency license for something. I'm totally just making this up, uh, but you buy it for like uh, your for an e-commerce app, you buy the agency, you buy the agency, uh, license, that agency license allows you to, you know, it has different, different, uh, it has different, 
limitations on it. So maybe it'll allow you to use it for on like a hundred sites or, you know, 700 sites or unlimited sites, whatever it is, it's all different. And there's all a whole bunch of regulations and stuff you need to follow, but it's cheaper, more efficient. And then you have that license. You buy one license and either your clients don't need to worry about it. You're just always installing. If they want an, uh, an e-commerce website, you use that one e-commerce plugin because you have your license. You don't have to keep buying licenses for each individual person. Um, or, you know, to get, take it out of the WordPress sort of thing or something that allows you to build out custom websites each time. So this this doesn't just apply to things that are sort of like cookie cutter or a specific tool or a specific CMS or a specific marketplace or whatever it is. It It's also for custom websites because you want to keep your, your team on the same page with specific tech. So something like Vue.js or React.js, right? And so a lot of these agencies will choose a specific stack, a specific app, a specific set of things. They'll even choose a specific source for stuff, for information, whatever it is, to keep everybody on the same page, whether they are doing full custom, whether they are using WordPress with pre-made templates. Maybe they're, maybe they're doing full custom WordPress, but they always use that e-commerce plugin, like I said, right? It's to try to keep everybody you know, on the same page to, for efficiency and for, for efficiency and to keep everyone, you know, trained up effectively on that specific bit of tech that they're using. Now, other agencies like ours, so specifically like Mike and mine, you know, we, we do have our limits to be fair, but you know, they're not so strict. So we have, we have websites on couch CMS on WordPress at varying versions and with varying plugins all over the place. Typo three, uh, which is another CMS Webflow. Uh, also just straight up vanilla tech, HTML, CSS, JS, etc. And that goes even further, okay, when it comes to infrastructure. So a lot this is something that people often forget, but infrastructure is huge, right? We have multiple hosting locations for customers. So we have a, a, a reseller account that we use for people that just straight up need web hosting. We have an old legacy server that when we first started out, uh, we, we still have it, we still use it. And it's, you know, it's, it's kind of old and slow, but it still absolutely works for very light sites like business card sites and those type of things. So we absolutely still use it for that. Still use it or still, still good to go, but new new customers generally won't go on there and then also just straight up customers hosting so um you know we'll often let customers continue using their old hosting if they don't want to go through a migration and just want to adapt uh and just want to adapt excuse me just want us to like adapt to to using it so basically what will happen is is uh we have a client for example that has a uh, a, a rather dated infrastructure i'm not going to get into details but rather dated infrastructure and they're really scared of migrating because they don't want to deal they don't want to deal with, um, they don't want to deal with a, uh, a, uh, what's that thing called? Uh, email. Couldn't think of the word. They don't want to deal with an email migration. They're terrified of it because they did this in the past and it just really hurt them and they like their website speed and they like everything else. So we, like Mike and I, when we go build a site for them, we, uh, we adapt, right? We adapt to using it. We adapt to ensuring the website we make can use it from a technical standpoint. We make sure that, you know, we, we know generally how to support it and how to use it. And then we basically offer the same package we would on someone with a reseller. It's just, you know, they're effectively paying whoever it is for hosting and we're just being there for the support and the, the upkeep and whatever else that they have hired us for. And so that's where the infrastructure becomes kind of a mess because we got people on Apache, on IIS, on freaking God knows what there's, there's on different providers it's all over the place. And it sounds, you know, sort of unorganized on our behalf, but, you know, we have a legacy server and a new server. Effectively, that's what Mike and I have, and that's it. But it becomes a mess when you allow, like, the customer the customer uh, infrastructure in there. So, you know, it's hit and miss. 
like we're Mike and I try to be very accommodating and that's sort of what I'm trying to say. We try to be very accommodating. And so it becomes a mess if you're disorganized. And I use things like Dashlane and stuff like that for, you know, password management to make sure that it's not, you know, like that I, that I'm sane basically. So I could type in someone's name and be like, Oh, like this is where their hosting is. And this is how we've set it up. Cause God knows I'm not going to remember all that stuff. And that's actually a great segue into the, the pros and cons basically of this type of situation. So, uh, multiple stacks and technologies. Here's the pros of, of, of having multiple stacks. Okay. So, and technology. So, you know, more learning involved, obviously, you know, we know a little WordPress, we know a little couch CMS, a little typo, a little web flow, a little this, that, this, that, this all over the place. Lots of learning involved there. Lots of different experiences, all that stuff. And that leads to the next one, which is jack of all trades, right? Um, obviously like Mike can speak for himself, but I'm definitely a jack of all trades. You know, I can offer support or hold conversations in many different technological sort of areas, but I can't really get into the nitty gritty. So like, I know what an API is. I know how to do this and that, whatever. But if I need to use an API myself, just with vanilla, whatever, I would need to study up on that, for example, right? Because I'm a jack of all trades. Normally I'm interacting with the data that's already there, and but I can, I know what an API is. I know what it, what it means. And I know what, what I need to look for when I research, but I just don't use it all the time, that type of thing. Um, also, you know, you're seeing the evolution of technology from multiple standpoints, not just from the one product you use. And this might actually force you to migrate in the future. So for example, uh, if you are only using view, you're only using view and you know, you, you like the way view is going, but obviously you do because you're using it and you just keep using it and using it and using it. It's fine. And it's great and everything. But let's say one day, total hypothetical, you know, view, view dies. You don't really have a good, uh, you know, view of the market. You don't really have a good look at what's out there. And you might not even like think of react JS, right? You're so in the view verse, if you will, <laughs> that you might not even like, you don't know where things are. Like, do you, you might be lost. You might be like, damn, like, do I go vanilla now? Like, do I go like, I do custom sites. So I do react. Do I do react native? Like, what do I like react JS react native? Where do I go? And you, you don't know, right? You don't know what's out there. So what's good about kind of having bouncing around all over the place is you can see a bunch of stuff. You see the custom, you see whatever, you see all this. And so if you're a person that, you know, tries to push your customers, because everyone does this, right? You try to push your customers to your ideal scenario. And we have an ideal scenario, a couple of them, and you kind of push them. But if they won't go, then whatever. But your idea of that ideal scenario will change. So for example, we used to really not use WordPress. We used to think it was a mess and blah, 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 blah. But then as we saw, you know, clients needs evolve and our certain use cases where we're like, damn, you know, it's really convenient if a customer asks for something really specific, like a questionnaire, we just get a questionnaire plugin, right? And you start seeing, and we've talked about this in our WordPress, on our WordPress episode a while back now, but you start seeing that. And so then that becomes your ideal scenario. So then new customers, you might be like, hey, you know, I, you won't tell them this, but you're like, Hey, I like where WordPress is going. The project they're talking about sounds great with WordPress. I usually use Vue.js, but I'm going to push this client toward Webflow or uh, toward uh, WordPress. I'm going to push this next client toward WordPress, the next one, the next one, the next one. And so that's sort of how you get legacy and that type of thing. But you would never have known that you liked where WordPress was going unless you had experience across the board type of thing. Um, 
You're also able, obviously, because you're being more flexible, you're also able to take on more clients, specifically clients that do not, under any circumstance, want to migrate, or clients that just want you to spruce up their existing web projects. So people will call you up and be like, hey, like I know that making a new website is really expensive because that's what I did before, but I'd like you just to sort of spruce this one up or make it responsive or whatever they want you to do because it's cheaper, obviously. If you're a person that, let's say, you know nothing about WordPress and they have a WordPress site, you know, you're kind of SOL and you're going to have to pass the job on and someone else is going to take it. But if you know enough about enough technologies, you know, you might already have experience with that specific tech or be experienced enough so that you know that you could take it on and spruce it up. And now you're more available, basically. So you you have more a bigger customer base, a big pool of potential customers, effectively, because because you're not so sort of stuck in your ways, if you will. Now. There's obviously going to be cons, and here comes the list here. Multiple stacks and technology, the cons of having that. Uh, first one, double-edged sword, jack-of-all-trades. So you'll generally have to look up things like more, like more often. If you keep looking things up and looking things up, when something goes wrong, or even when you're just building in a specific piece of tech, because you don't use it every day, right? And this can also delay support if something goes wrong. So when I'm doing something, like I said, the APIs, I would need to look up cores again. I would need to look up stuff like this. I know where to look. I know generally how to look for it. I know Ajax and all the rest of it, whether I'm going to be calling this JSON, whatever it is, right? However, I'm going to be calling, using, utilizing the data in my own infrastructure. Do I want it to update instantly? All the rest of it. I know generally where to look, but I don't know that stuff off the hop, right? I don't know. I don't know like, oh, I can just start typing without Google. No, I need Google. And so that's sort of the double-edged sword, if you will. There's nothing wrong with looking stuff up, but if you're a person that doesn't like to look it up often, maybe you should be more specific in saying, no, all my customers are on WordPress type of thing, right? Um, with the support for the for the support side of things, like I said, that's another thing where if someone calls us and says, hey, my WordPress is down, to a WordPress guy, you're just like, oh, no problem, I'll go take a look. To me, it's like, oh, Jesus. And like, it's a kind of a panic because it's like, I don't know, like, is it the database? Is it this? Is it that? Is it this? Is it that? Is it this? And it's sort of like that, a bit of like a panic to, to an extent, right? Because like, We'll figure it out, but it's still not like second nature. It's not like, oh, is this the white screen of death? Is this the error 500? Like, oh, it's because I did that plugin. You know, oh, it's because it's the first of the month and my license didn't renew or you know, whatever it is, right? To a WordPress guy, you might just be like, oh yeah, that's what it is. Like, but th- that's not generally how it's going to work for a jack of all trades. Also just straight up information overload, right? So something we've touched on a bunch in this show. I think we may even have a dedicated episode. Don't quote me on that, but uh, just just too much information. Like just you're all over the place and you have to support it all across versions. So like, you know, I never remember what version of PHP is the newest. And like, I don't know what version of WordPress is the newest. I just know generally how they work. And like, I know that PHP needs to be updated. I know WordPress needs to be updated, but I don't know all this stuff. And you know, that's a, it's a big mess. Like it's, there's a lot to know, a lot to remember. Like Mike was talking about the new view 3.0. I think it was uh, Vue.js 3.0 a few weeks ago or a couple weeks ago now. And like, I would never have known that. If I was learning Vue and I'm a jack of all trades, which I am, I would have been continuing learning Vue 2.0. would never have known Vue 3.0 came out because it's impossible to stay plugged into all these things, using them, you know, in production daily, supporting them daily, having customers have, you know, their own problems because each each project's unique to an extent. It's, it's just impossible to keep up with all the rest of it. Uh, so just straight up, like I said, information overload. Um, there's not one standard environment setup. So you know, just to kind of throw some at you. One server uses FTP. The other uses the web file manager only for God knows what reason. Another might need PHP my admin, whereas the other one uses, you know, a Plesk whatever. So like it doesn't use PHP my admin, it uses something else, or maybe it does use PHP my admin or, 
you know, whatever. We've had sites where we've had it where there's a custom, they call it cPanel, but it's not cPanel. It's some custom thing. And they didn't have PHP my admin installed. Then you got to install it yourself, but they do support it. And it's it's a whole thing. Uh, another one, you might use Plesk, like I said. Another one might use cPanel. Like it, it's all over the damn place, right? And not to throw everything at you at once, but that's what's going to happen. Whereas like, just just as just as early as today, we were contacted about a site that went down. It was because there was like a Plesk problem or like a not a Plesk problem, but I had to deal with Plesk. And like I haven't used Plesk in years. Like I think a couple weeks ago I mentioned I had to use it. Same site, same thing. I'm not gonna get into the details, but the point is, like that came out of the woodwork. Like never in a million years would I thought I would be using Plesk again. And all of a sudden it's like I'm I'm, in, I'm on Plesk twice in like a four or five week period. It's it's crazy, right? Just that's how that that's how things kind of start getting little out of control and it and it hurts your you know your overall environment setup so like mike was saying in the past like you know you have your you have your dev environment right with for your Vue js and that me i got freaking crap all over the place i got stuff opening in vs code stuff opening in notepad plus plus i'm over in the ftp i'm using the file manager on some stuff i'm over here doing another thing i'm using git on this other stuff i'm all over the damn place i got stuff in one drive i got stuff over here i got stuff over there because a lot of the stuff's custom and like i'm organized like i I know what to search in each of these things and be like, oh, I forget where this person is and I can, I can search it and I can find it. No problem. So organization is key, but it's, you know, it's hard to be organized when the actual source effectively is disorganized. There's people all over the damn place. People are on couch. People are on this. People are on that. People are on different versions of couch. I got one person on a version of couch that didn't have captchas or something. And I do install it with like a beta version or some, I can't even remember, you know, stuff like that. And that's where it starts getting, like, what the hell is going on here? But that that's what happens, right? It just starts going all over the place, and that's why it's a con. Uh, multiple logins. So this one sounds easy, but, like, you're going to have different... You're going to have accounts all over the damn place. Like, you're going to have some customers where you've set yourself up as an admin and set them up as a user, and then you're able to log in no problem. You're going to have other customers where you've set them up as an admin, given them the password, told them to change it, they change it, and now you can't get in. They need help. They can't remember their password. Now it's a whole thing. Oh, I recovered it, but it's now to your email. Please send me the, the email that you reset it to. Uh, you're also just going to have, you know, accounts all over the damn place. Maybe you have one account that's a user, one account that's an admin, one account that's here, there, here, there, all over the place, two-factor, you know, it starts going crazy. It's crazy. And so this is where, like, this starts getting messy, where, you're, where you need something like a password manager because holy crap does it get crazy. It gets crazy. And I, I miss things in friggin' in my password manager. If I didn't have the password manager, God knows what would happen. And I still forget things. I still forget to put things in there, whatever. Right. So it's just, it's just crazy. Um, being out of the loop, right? So you're not going to be, you know, up to date about the latest patch that a given service. And I already mentioned this, but like, if really think about this from a support perspective. So let, let's say, let's say for example, and you know, this is a total hypothetical, but let's just say hypothetically, you're like, I'm going to upgrade, update WordPress itself, right? I'm going to update WordPress itself. And let's say you're on WordPress version, God knows what, and you go to the next version. Let's say there's a known bug where they push the update. It's available for you to download, but then, you know, a, a bulletin comes out or whatever. And they say, Hey, don't, don't do this. It could affect all your images. Like it'll delete your image data. And then you don't know that because you're a jack of all trades and you're running around, you got all this stuff and you just press update. Now your image data is gone. Now, hopefully you had a backup and stuff, but it's still a pain. Normally you would know, no, I got to stop you know, not do this update. I have to wait a little bit, then do it. And Mike and I have avoided windows, bad windows updates by doing that. We see the bulletin because we both use windows like, Oh damn. Like, I don't like, I'm not going to do that. It deletes data. Or I'm not going to do that. Cause it does this. Right. So all, again, all hypothetical, I haven't heard of a WordPress version that did that, but I'm just saying, you know, that is something that could happen with anything. 
even just our work computer stuff, our workstation stuff, like they said with Windows. There was a Windows update that was deleting some people's data, and we just avoided that. It was like, nope, defer updates, let's wait a month or wait a week or wherever we needed to wait. But that's because we're plugged into that. But I'm not plugged into WordPress. I'm not plugged into Vue.js. I know a little bit about them, but I'm not I'm not there reading the blogs, you know? It's like, it's like I always tell Mike, and, and like it's sort of kind of a joke, but it's like I don't wake up every morning and do a 20-point inspection on all these things. You're not, not like, oh, I better check up on the old WordPress. You know, <laughs> maybe I should, but I don't. And I kind of shouldn't be expected to because like God knows when the next time I'm going to be using WordPress is. It, like we're all over the place. Um, And also, you know, backup solutions. Backup solutions, like if you're if you're a person that's responsible for, for your users' backups or maybe it's your projects and, you know, you have projects all over the place and they need to be, uh, they need to have backup solutions, you know, get cloud like whether it's in the cloud somewhere whether it's local like you're saving on usb stick you know is the constant is the customer responsible for these updates you know if you're renting the space to them do you give them cpanel access are they responsible for their updates you know the list goes on the backup solution is a mess you know you don't want to like accidentally backup data that you're not supposed to have and it's all over the it's it's all over the place and it's also all over the place with people's expectations so you know if you if you're a wordpress guy and you only use wordpress for your sites you can tell people you need to do your own backups. Here's a plugin that I've installed to do backups and restores. Please use it like this and give them a guide. And then you walk away, right? God, you know, whatever. But God knows whatever you give them, whatever. Hooray for their lives. But like, what if you were responsible for like the SQL database backup or something? That's only one thing to think of, but it's still like, you know, there's still considerations there with a WordPress thing. Imagine having like WordPress and couch and four different servers and you're all over the place and you got cloud and this and that, and you got over here. And then you got to remember like, oh my God, if the site goes down, then these people were in the middle of using this web app or now have like corrupted data and like you're all, you're all over the place, all over the place. And that's very possible, right? Like it's very possible to be all over the place and it spins out of control very quickly. There's people that probably expect us to do updates and, or backups for them that in which we haven't done backups for them because they're actually the ones responsible for it. And like, if something were to happen one day, they're going to go after us and like not go after us, but they'll, they'll ask us like, Hey, do you have the backup? It's like, no, this is your responsibility. Cause like we told you where to, where to, how to do it. They didn't read the email cause we told them. And like, it just becomes a whole thing. Now the responsible thing to do just as a brief note is obviously to communicate. Like Mike and I will tell them, Hey, like generally like, Hey, this is like, you know, your responsibility, your cPanel. Hey, like, you know, we're not going to do backups unless you pay us. Um, or like, hey, we'll do backups, but we'll just email them to you or something, whatever. Or like throw them on a drive, you download them and they'll be there for 10 days. Just be open and say what is, you know, generally happening type of thing. That's really key. Uh, but just just something to note. Uh, but I mean, that's that's it for my notes. I know it's a long-winded, of course, but uh, Mike, I know you had... a a bunch of stuff to talk about your stack that you're using daily or however often. So please, sir, take it away. All right. Um, I think I just want to touch quickly on uh, some of the points you were saying. And the major one being the password manager. Like you brought it up quite a few times for a good reason. And I've just been noticing how powerful it is for so many different things. Like the reason it's so important is because of security because if you're doing any sort of production application stuff you can't be stored like you can't store it in like a google keep or a note pad so you i use my password manager as a note keeper as well when it comes to any sort of infrastructure talk so and stacks like if it's a secure stack especially if it's something that stores like secure data all of the 
information about that stack, uh, whether it be, you know, the IP address of the server, the ports, the login information, obviously, uh, how to access it, what the cPanel address is. I store that all in the password managers nowadays. Um, and that's proved super helpful because my password manager syncs up with, with my phone and stuff like that. So if I'm ever out in the field and I just need a quick, uh, response to someone that's looking for their password, I can easily send it to them through that. So really important to keep on top of your password managers. Um, another, another just quick aside on the password manager side recently, I kind of, I have one IT client that I still help. Uh, and every time I would go to their place, I would be just battling passwords. They would be looking through their like, you know, books and shelves and notes on their desk, trying to get me passwords. And we'd be resetting all the passwords every time. Um, Last time that I did a, a complete overhaul of their IT infrastructure, I installed a password manager and then I, I went through with them how to use it. And that was a year ago. And I went back there a few weeks ago and um, noticed that they were still using the password manager. So and, and honestly, I was in and out of there in about 15 minutes this time rather than like the hour and a half it usually takes me because I literally had all the passwords saved in their password manager. Uh, they were using it. They were changing passwords like they were doing everything in there. I was so shocked. Uh, the, the reason I was shocked is because they were older, like they're like in their 60s, maybe early 70s even. Um, and yeah, totally picked it up. I think I, I installed KeePass on for them and I synced it between their laptop and their computer and they were really happy. Like they were, I knew they were happy about it because they didn't even ask me about it. And I saw it open and I was able to use all the passwords in there. And he, I even saw him go in there. Like I asked for a password and he's like, oh, let me just check my password manager. So my advice is <laughs> install password managers for all of your family members and stuff like that, because it saves you so much time with having to, you know, help them out with their IT problems because Lord, does that take, that took the most amount of time every time. Anytime I had to do any IT, my biggest dread was like, do you know the password to this? And 99% of the answers were no. And the big thing is, is password managers have a bunch of security uh, pros and cons too, or like pros, I should say. I'm sure there's cons, but not, not on the top of my head. But uh, like quite literally, like if they're, if they're synced to the cloud, you know, you could, you could say that's a con. But like the point is, if you, if you are a person that does IT for your family or you work together or whatever it is, or even if you work with your colleagues you need a, a secure way to share passwords. So if you all have the same password manager installed, then you can generally speaking, you can share the passwords. That's like, that's secure. The big thing is, is like, let's say Mike is the owner of one of our accounts and he needs to reset the password because it expired or whatever. He can go reset it, reset it, like, like set the new password in the password manager. And let's say he's sharing it with me. It just comes to me. So now it'll autofill or I can just copy paste it and I could see that it was updated and now I don't have to ask him like, hey, can you update this and blah, 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 blah. There's no like sending passwords over plain text. There's no sending, there's no like calling people and reading out passwords. Also, you were mentioning the notes. That's a really good point because things like API keys and stuff you want to keep secure. Or even if you're unsure and you're like, mm, like, I don't know whether this should be secure. It's great to have the password manager to have the secure notes because you can just quickly jot it down there. And then you look at, and then maybe it is secure, but if it isn't like, you know what, no harm, no foul, move it into your Google keep or whatever later and delete the one off the thing. And you can, you can easily pass people things. Like if somebody really needs your credit card, sometimes these password managers will have payment stuff. You can share the payment or you could, I mean, don't pop, like, don't do this, but like you could put your payment information like a PayPal or something in the notes and give it to the person or get, or put it in the password or even, even like a credit card number or something. Now I don't recommend that password, recommend password, uh, 
managers don't recommend it either. Like I've put my credit card number in my notes and like told people, okay, this is how you use it. But in an emergency situation, personally, I feel way better putting it in there than just sending it over a text and be like, here's my credit card number and the code on the back and the name on it. Right. That's where it's like, like, you know, that. but I feel a lot better doing it in like a note in the password manager where it's going to be more secured. Again, they don't recommend you do it and I don't recommend you do it. But for me, it's, it's a convenience thing because I am personally okay with doing it in there, but I would not be okay with sending it over a text message, even if it is end to end encrypted get out of there with that. Like I'd prefer to have it in like a, an app that's meant to lock everything down. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that was just like a quick, quick little aside on the password managers because I find them really convenient and I've been like using mine pretty heavily. Um, but yeah, so what I want to talk about is kind of my stack breakdown, like what, how many stacks I use and then what my suggestions are for flipping between the stacks. Because I think, in most cases, again, unless you're working for that agency that only uses WordPress or only uses Webflow or whatever, uh, most cases you're going to have to be able to adapt between stacks or adapt between a few different technologies throughout the day or throughout the week or throughout the month, uh, stuff like that. So it's important to at least have an idea of how to do it and how, and, and not be scared of doing it either. Don't, don't make it so that it's like, you know, you're dreading changing your tasks because the stack is different. There, there's ways around it. So first of all, let me just break down my like most important stack that I'm using right now, which is Vue.js on the front end. And then it's deployed through this uh, Deploy HQ uh, web application, which helps you essentially automate deployments for regular like cPanel, Apache, FTP servers. Uh, so de- the Deploy HQ will essentially hook, on- hook into your Git repo whether it be Bit, Bitbucket or GitHub, doesn't matter. And on your pushes, it can automatically deploy to any server that you want. You kind of have to go through the configuration, but it's actually pretty awesome. Um, and it's really quick to set up. That's the big thing. So I use Vue.js, deploy that through DeployHQ, and then we have a Laravel backend that's also deployed through DeployHQ with an SQL database attached to it. So that's kind of the daily stack. That's my most common stack that I'm using right now. Um, we have multiple applications running the stack at this point, but also we have other production applications running different stacks. So for instance, we have a regular JavaScript, CSS, HTML application, just a web application that's running those three technologies without anything else on top of it. Um, I don't think we even have jQuery on one of them, uh, just standard JavaScript, CSS, HTML. We also have a JS CSS PHP combination where it's kind of doing a front end back end combination, uh, doing a little bit of back end stuff in the PHP, just straight pure PHP. So sometimes I have to, you know, evaluate how my PHP skills are. Uh, then we've got some Flutter. So Flutter is a completely different language that uses Dart, but essentially it's an iOS and Android cross platform development front end. Um, and that one's a tricky one because again, you're going from your typical web stack to a completely different type of language. Uh, not only is it syntax different, it's also uh, like written differently. So it's object oriented, class oriented very heavily. Um, we've also got this resource space framework for a backend that connect that, that that's essentially uh, just a PHP backend with a framework on top of it. And then it connects to a regular HTML, CSS, JavaScript front end that uses jQuery. So jQuery comes into 
comes into it sometimes. And then on occasion, I'm also involved with some Objective-C and some Java code native app feature development. Now, I want to make this clear. On a day-to-day basis, I'm usually working in one or two of these at most, usually one on, on sometimes two. But sometimes, I, sometimes I'll have to context switch between like a Vue.js stack and go to a Flutter. And that's the most difficult one. So that's the one I want to talk about the most. For me, I I purposely will schedule at least a day or two of time to context switch between the two, especially if it's been a while. So if someone asks me for a deadline on a Flutter project and I've been working on Vue.js for a couple of months, I'll be like, I'll add at least a two or three day padding to it just to make sure that I have a couple of days that I can sit down, relearn the project, relearn the code base and get it going. Um now, if time doesn't afford that, because sometimes you're just on a on a you know a, an extreme time constraint because some issue came up with one of your projects and you need to get it done, uh, I you you kind of have to adapt to it. So I you know I close all of the other windows that have all the different all the technology that I've been doing. I would open up my Flutter window, and I would go to the exact place that the error could be happening, and I would start from there. And again. It's difficult, but since if you're as long as you're the one that built the code, it still comes back pretty quickly. It's kind of like riding a bike, uh, but it is one of those things that you do have to take deliberate time to get spun up again. And you shouldn't, again, you shouldn't be afraid of it, but you should acknowledge the fact that it's not an instantaneous switch. And you should be able to vocalize that to your leadership so that they know that it's not like, okay, today you're going to be working in Flutter and then switching to Vue.js and then going back to Flutter and then going to a little bit of PHP. Like you have to vocalize the fact that that's not a a, a good working environment because between those switches, you're going to need at least a couple hours or an hour to context switch between the languages. And as long as you can say that in in a proper way say that you know because it's a different structure of language because it's a different a completely different language i'm going to need to go back and read the documentation a little bit uh run run all the code on run the code on the devices that i have make sure that it's running currently as it is figure out what kind of state it's in read my notes like just lay out what you have to do to get spun up and that should give them a good enough idea that okay we'll try to schedule you to make sure that you have a couple weeks or a week to do this project rather than you switching between the three different stacks let me ask you this so i know you're saying not to be afraid of it and there's the deliberate time would you prefer to only be using effectively one stack so like you started in Vue.js 1.0 whatever went to two went to three and maybe not paid attention to the other stuff like what's your what's your stance on multiple i would rather have both i i I would rather be able to go to any to to different stacks now i do think that there should be some sort of a, a a check on you like you shouldn't be just allowed to go to any stack at any time you want you should have a primary stack you should and then you should have and you should use other technologies when they're very much required you shouldn't just use them willy-nilly because they're fun and, and interesting you should use them because okay for instance flutter we use that because there's some parts of our application that require much more integration into native apis and much better performance they need to be like really slick animations really nice uh presentations and stuff like that inside the application stuff that view like even if we cordovize view which is the, again a, a way to build a web a web application into a native application even if we were to do that it doesn't give us the performance or the functionality that we need that's the only reason that we went to flutter 
Um, and there's reasons that we chose Flutter instead of the native code and stuff like that. I won't get into it because we have other episodes on it. But essentially, you shouldn't be just going to a, a, co- a different stack because you want to. And just because it's fun, you should be doing it for very deliberate reasons. And it should also be under scrutiny as well. So if you want to choose, if you choose to go to a different stack, a different team member should criticize you. They should absolutely, I wouldn't say attack, but they should question every, the decision that you're making pretty thoroughly. Because again, that switching of stacks is a big time, a big time sink. And that time is obviously money and productivity and stuff like that. So there has to be a deliberate reason. I prefer the fact that I, I like the fact that I have the flexibility to do that. But every time I've wanted to use a stack, I had to sit in front of like the council of elders essentially and explain why I need to use that stack and give a presentation. Like I had to develop myself um, and give demonstration as to why that stack is better for this, for A, B, and C and stuff like that. And that's how it should be. It should be done through research. It should be done through trial and error. You should have the ability to do that trial and error on company time, which I did. Um, but it shouldn't get, it shouldn't be done through like a, you know, a laissez-faire, okay, I'm going to do it right now and that's it. I'm, I don't care about anyone else's opinion. That's interesting because it, it sounds to me like the, I mean, the Council of Elders or whatever you said, it sounds to me like it's the same thing that you should really be doing when you're talking about like, a, not necessarily, a, well, I guess, I guess you were, we would be talking about a startup. So if you really think about it, like a startup or even just starting up a new idea, Mike and I will scrutinize each other's ideas, you know, to the point where it's like a lot of them get debunked because like you're so caught up in the fact that you thought up a new idea, a new app, a new website, a new web app, whatever it is, that you're blind to, oh, there's already one in the market. Oh, like, you know, there's a, there's one in the market that failed and there's like a lot, a lot, like countless things that could be brought up. And so like Mike and I, when we present new ideas to each other, we will scrutinize each other. And that type of behavior needs to happen. Like even if you watch, I remember watching an episode years ago of Dragon's Den, the Canadian one. And they were saying like the one, they were concerned, uh, I'm paraphrasing because it's been years, but like they were concerned that the one person's like partner, like their, uh, their husband was the person that was helping them. And they said, no, like my husband does scrutinize me. Like he's not just there to be supportive. Like he is scrutinized because you need that, right? Like you need someone to say, this is like, this is stupid or like, like more professionally generally, obviously, but like, you know, this is a dumb idea or this idea has been done. And like, why, like, why have this idea? Like who's going to use it? You know, you would like it, but like, would anyone else, those type of things. And, and sure, you know, if you're just learning something and you want to spin up an idea, then fine. But when it comes to like, Hey, let's monetize this. It's like to who, whom, who's going to watch this? Who's going to use this? Who's going to, you know, download this? Who's going to buy this? Who's going to do whatever? So it's a big question. Uh, and you know, even with the scrutiny, it can get passed, but it's like, it's like that first filter that will oftentimes debunk a lot of ideas that Mike and I present to each other back and forth, because it'll be like, Mike will be like, Hey, I'll make, let's make this note app or something, making this up. And, you know, and, and I'll be like, well, I already, already use a note app that does that. And it's like, Oh, well already debunked. Like we're not going to go toe to toe with who, whomever is in the space if they're huge. Right. So those type of things, but yeah, that, no, that's a good, that's a good point is like, you know, short of being in a learning environment, which is more of a free for all, you know, you should be scrutinized for it because I do know that people, like, I'm sure people will, like if someone came up to us right now, right. And said like, Hey, I want to make something in, in Wix. Like we would maybe like kind of help them and stuff, but like, like we're going to really push them and like, we're probably not going to take the project at this point, you know, like we're flexible, but that's what I meant by we're flexible, flexible with limits. Like I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Wix, but I'm saying our damn, like 
we're full. <laughs> we got enough stacks. We got enough technologies. We got enough servers. We got enough freaking backup solutions and God knows what. Like we have enough where it's like we have all these solutions. If you don't fit into one of these, you're out. If you even bring this into something else, we've had people friggin' payment methods. Mike knows this. Friggin' payment methods. Every time we came up with a payment method, it'd be like, I want to pay in line with with like we were brand new, right? So we were cash or check <laughs> or e-transfer. And we didn't have even have e-transfer set up at the time. It's like, I want to do e-transfer. Okay, so we set up e-transfer. Now that one person uses e-transfer once, no one ever uses e-transfer. I want to use like checks. Okay, like and, and like our bank was like, no one ever uses checks. Get paid, get paid by checks all over the place. Like left, right, and center, we get paid by checks. So I don't know what what market we're in, but that's but that's fine. It's fine. And then it's like oh, I want to pay online, but I want to pay online via PayPal. Okay, we got PayPal. Well, you know I don't really like the way PayPal is going. I want to pay via like credit card. So it's like oh, Mike and I go. Okay, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna accept cash, check, obviously, e transfer, done, F- good. PayPal, of course. We're gonna get a third party financial uh, app because we needed to do um, like accounting because we were growing. And we're going to uh, sign up for their payment solution. And they're going to do everything. I think they even take American Express. Don't quote me on it, but I'm pretty sure we take American Express. Again, <laughs> do not quote me on it, but I'm pretty sure. Anyway, we take we take a lot of credit cards, right? Anyway, so hurry for our lives. We get it all ready. We get everything else. I'm pretty sure we take Apple Pay. I, I, like the, like the, the browser one. I'm pretty sure we do. Again, don't quote me on it. I don't remember because we have so many damn things. But regardless, we, we hand it over to a payment partner. You know, short of the e-transfer and the PayPal and stuff. It's like, here you go. Okay. Then we had somebody call us and was like, do you do this like E-I, like, e, some some E thing? Like it was some acronym. And I was like, what is that? And it's like, well, it's like this type of money transfer and like this. And I was like, we don't take that. And it's like, well, would you take it? And I'm like, no. Like I've, now, now I've hit the limit. Like now it's like <laughs> we take credit cards, a lot of them and like all the rest of it. We take e-transfer, PayPal, cash, check, like Let's count it out. Cash, check, e-transfer, credit cards, which is a multiple one, like four payment methods of which there are variants in them. I've hit my limit pa- now. PayPal. PayPal. Five. Come on, guys. Like, you know what I mean? No, so we, it's got, just, we got we to gotta get, we got to accept Bitcoin. That's it. We, I'm not we're, taking we're, Bitcoin. We're, I, I yeah, personally taking, will not yeah. be taking Bitcoin. You were, you're taking Bitcoin. That's it. We're, we got to accept Bitcoin God. and from all the different... Uh, Things. So we got to make accounts on every single one of the exchanges. If our payment partner uh, allows it, then power to you. But I, I will not. I won't be straying from from the ones that we've set up so far. <laughs> like, the, what about MoneyGram? I don't know what, what that is. MoneyGram. I'm not taking Snapchat money. <laughs> iMessage money. I don't know what it, BBM money. I don't know. WeChat. WeChat. I don't know. Whatever else is out there. Uh, I'm sorry, but we take these things that I just laid out. But like. So it's the same thing with stacks. Like, it's just, you hit a limit where you're like, okay, like, that's it. <laughs> like, I can't, like, I'm not, I, actually, I won't. It's not, I can't, I won't take it. I won't do this anymore. That's it. So same type of thing. Uh, okay. But I think we'll move on to the web news. Now this web news is uh, a little, a little depressing. Um, but I think it's something important we need to talk about. So the question is, and it's right in the title of the web news. Are we only as good as our last ticket? So, you know, I've heard, you know, that the tech field is a place, right, where people can develop their careers and skills and a growing market of wondrous blah, 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 whatever, right? Until you actually talk to the people in it. Now, only sometimes. I want to make sure that everything I'm saying in this segment is like a blanket statement. I've only heard it from some people and whatever. 
And I'll reiterate that as I go through too, right? You know, there's a lot of people, and I don't know whether it's the majority, the minority, or right in between, or is it like, I don't know who it is, right? But there's, there's always a variance in people, but there's a lot of them in tech, right? All the, like from IT to hardware engineering, the people that make the circuit boards, all that, that say a different version of that sort of marketing phrase that I said at the beginning. And it's basically a, a spin on the phrase, you're only as good as your last ticket. So, you know, hardware engineers, they might not have tickets, they might have tasks, but it's sort of like they would say, you know, you're only as good as your last task type of thing. It's like a variance on that. And this is typically followed up by, you know, how stressful the job can be and how you as a newcomer, right, maybe maybe happy-go-lucky now, but you'll slowly turn into one of them. So you might be thinking, well, it might be like a misery loves company type of thing, right? Where it's like the burned out IT guy that, that thinks that he's only as good as his last ticket or whatever. And then, you know, you're the, you're the new guy and you're ready to go and you're ready to help everybody and work overtime for free or whatever you're doing. And then he says, no, 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 man, like you're going to get dragged down just like me, just dragged down like, just like me. And that might, that might be the case, right? You might be happy, go lucky for your whole career, whatever. But in general, like a lot of people do turn into that do do turn into the person that would say a, fra- a a variance of the of this phrase right and like one of them would be like i'm trying to like think about how to say this so it's like they're not they're not necessarily how do i this is like a hard topic to talk about so it's like they become like like sticklers right because they're beat down in their job if you will and this is like, like, this is a legitimately difficult thing to tiptoe around, but it's like, they become like a stickler about what, what's, what they're, what they do in their job. So like, they would say phrases like, you know, say about hours, let's say they become really stickler about this, the specific rules in their job. This is the main thing, right? So they, they'll say things like, sorry, you know, it's four 30. I get off at five, but this job will take 40 minutes. And so it'll have to wait till Monday, right? Whereas you, the happy-go-lucky guy might be like, no, I'll do it. Don't worry about the extra the extra time, you know, the extra 20, 30 minutes because it'll always go over time, you know, type of thing. You know, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll, I'll get it. I'll get it done. Um, don't worry about it. And th- that type of thing. And and that's where it starts, like, like, this is where they start getting strict, if this makes sense, right? So th- they'll, they'll, they'll start doing things like doing tasks at the bare minimum acceptable amount of work. And, you know, like, because they're just expecting more to pile in. Like they're just sort of like, well, I'll just, you know, do this redirect, even though it's going to break everything, but then they'll just have to file another ticket to like fix it type of thing. You know, people will do that. Uh, they'll force regulation, quote unquote, you know, in a, a sort of regulation, if you will. Uh, for example, if a person, you know, comes up to you for help uh, with their mouse, right? You as a happy-go-lucky new guy might be like, yeah, I'll help you out right now. But like these type of people that are in this sort of state would say, you know, sorry, you need to file a ticket and have it processed for me to help you. And they're not in the wrong, right? Like that is the procedure and that is it. But like it, it's just sort of done with sort of like a uh, like, you know, go through the motions, go through the motions. Uh, a classic phrase is no ticket, no work. I know that I know tons of people in, you know, administration to IT to whatever have said like, oh, you know, I, I just help people out. I'm good with it. I'm good with it. And then they'll slowly but surely change to, sorry, no ticket, no work, because they get taken advantage of by people in the company time and time again, where it's just like, oh, you, you, you can just come in on Sunday, right? You can just come in on Sunday and do this 12-hour job, no problem, but make sure you're in on Monday, you know, stuff like that. And then so they just say, nope, sorry, there's no ticket, no work order, no work. Um, they'll also, if you're like a, if they're like an entrepreneur, maybe they'll start charging for every little thing. Like, sorry, I will not have a conversation with you unless I have, like, unless I have some money. And I want to make sure, like, I'm being 
like this is like a weird topic to talk about because it's like kind of depressing but like these people aren't necessarily in the wrong necessarily right like they're you know they're charging appropriately they're following the rules they're being strictly like they're being very strict about the rules they're being very stickler about the rules because the rules are sort of like the protective barrier they have right and it kind of like prevents them from doing extra time or extra work or extra whatever and that's why they're being stickler about it right now you know even with tons of good work behind you you know years of doing effective work for somebody you know if your website or the email or rather their website if their email goes down you know this weekend, let's say. So let's say you're working for a client and you've done tons of work for them and you've built out their stuff and you've spun up, t- you know, migrated them through tons and tons of things over the years and you've worked with them, worked with them, worked with them and everything's great. But if their website or their email goes down this weekend, you know, the person contacting you from their company, you know, or if it's just them, if they're like a, you know, a, a, a sole proprietorship or whatever, if whoever's going to be contacting you is, is going to be as animated, as angry or as whatever as they are when they're normally contacting you about something being broken, right? You aren't going to get special treatment generally because you've been doing good work for years. So this this sort of mentality is like, the reason why I'm having trouble is talking about this is because like we, like Mike and I have experienced this, you know, uh, it kind of happens a lot when you start becoming overwhelmed. And so you start getting overwhelmed. You start getting kind of like annoyed because you're like, man, I've done all this good work for years for people. And like they've, they've, liked it like they give me good reviews or whatever but then they call and they're pissed off with some random little thing and maybe it wasn't even a mistake maybe it's like a server that you're that you're you don't control is down and they're all pissed off at you and it's like you're just like man screw this like if they only care like if they're going to be pissed off because of this and i did 10 years good work for them like you know screw this person or whatever right and so like here here comes sort of the questions you know do people focus on failures you know are people focusing on like you know you never go like hey man like Mike did a really good job in these last 10 things. You might go like, man, do you remember that time our email went down for like weeks and it was like right when Mike like joined the team and like he like accidentally deleted this database. Like, you know, are people focusing on that? Probably like maybe, you know, and not, and I want to be clear again, like not everyone is like this. You know, there's always going to be a variance in how people, how, how, how happy people are in any position or job and even in life to be fair. But it does beg the question, again, in general, are we only as good as our last ticket? And I guess another question, which isn't even in the notes here, you know, are all of us slowly in the tech field, and maybe even others, going to become this person that's really stickler and really uh, strict about the rules and, like, use the rules to to protect us, almost? Like, is this is this an inevitability? And I don't know what to call, like, I think this is why I was hesitating so much about, like, that stickler rule part, because I don't know what to call that person. Like, you know, it sounds depressing. Like, you know, I don't want to say the depressed person, (laughs) but it's like, what do you call that person? Like, the beat down employee? But like, even that, it's like, what do you, what if it's just somebody who's stickler about the rules, right? It could just be someone that's happy, but stickler about the rules. Like, what do you call that person? And, and I'll be honest like, I mean, we already said it, like we've, we've done this. Like Mike and I have done this for things like, nope, not, not checking that. Like not doing that on the weekend. Like, nope, not doing that. Like, sorry, this, or there's been several conversations of like, Hey, we gave this guy a bunch of breaks or this person, a bunch of breaks. And, uh, like we now think they're taking advantage. That's it. No more breaks or like price breaks or like, Hey, we're not going to answer this person after 3 PM or whatever the agreement is. And like, period, we're not going to answer this person. And like, it's one of these things, right? Where it's like, I don't know. Like, 
I think this is an important thing to talk about, but it's like really, it's touchy, right? Like people are already pissed. Like there's probably gonna be someone listening to this that's pissed at me already. But it's like, this is a reality. Like, this is something where if you work in the tech field, and possibly others as well, but we're in tech, so that's, I'm speaking from my experience, that you will see people, I'm sure you've seen it, Mike, where people are just beaten down, and they're just like, fuck, another server went down. Like, here we go. Yep. I. Okay, so to tackle this, um, I think you're right, it's a tough topic to talk about uh, in in some ways, but in other ways, it's not. In my opinion, treat people as they treat you. So to break it down there, if people are taking advantage of you, use the rules that are there to stop them from taking advantage of you. That's the that's why the rules are there because there's people there's dicks out there that don't that don't even realize that they're going to be taking advantage of you because they just think that they're superior and what they're doing is more important and they're going to do whatever it takes to get it done, including driving you insane with little requests or useless requests or whatever. In that case, go right ahead. Do no ticket, no work. Do force regulations on every little thing that they do. Like drive them insane by doing the same thing. Right now. Whether there's a more mature way to do it or not, maybe like if if you want initially, maybe talk to them and explain to them how what you're how what they're doing is uh, in, impacting your work and how you're more than willing to meet them like halfway sometimes and you know help them with their mouse without putting a ticket in and help them here and there like stay late a couple of days a week as long as they're willing to understand that what they're doing is is impacting you. In, in negative ways. And if they keep doing it, then ride them just the way they ride you, the exact same way. And I, I feel like that will work, uh, whether it be to get you out of the situation in worst case scenario that, that you're in. So maybe if the workplace is just that bad and everyone is that person that they just need you to be, you know, working overtime for free and doing stuff that's out of the out of scope of your of your work and stuff like that at all times. Uh, maybe that's not the right place to work for you. So in that case, maybe you're going to get let go and someone else will have to take over and take the abuse. And that's a worst case scenario. But most of the time, I feel like you will find a compromise with the person or you will find a, a situation where you could you know, benefit each other in the way that, okay, I'll work for you a little bit over time, but sometimes I'm going to be taking off a little early to do my own work and stuff like that, or to do my own tasks and they're okay with it. So if there's a compromise in place or if there's a, you know, a give and take, in the situation that it's not always, you're not always being taken advantage of. I don't personally mind doing a little extra here and there. I don't mind taking that call at 8 PM. Sometimes I don't mind, you know, um, you know, on a vacation, quickly checking my email and, and fixing a problem that's been bothering the whole team for like, that took me like 10 minutes that could take them hours. I don't mind doing that because in my current situation, maybe I'm lucky it's the sense that like we do have that reciprocal effect. So if I need to take a day off because I'm feeling overwhelmed, I take a day off. I don't have to explain myself. I don't have to do anything. I just take the day off. But if I, you know, if I'm good and I and I keep working, I'll keep working because I feel like, you know, I'm providing support to the team and I, I enjoy working with the team. Now, there is something to be said that like don't invest in – invest like personally and get attached to a company that's willing to drop you any second because in real life yeah like if the company goes through financial troubles they're they're gonna fire you regardless of the 10 years of good work that they're gonna do that you've done 
If they see a way to make more money by leaving you behind, they will do that. That's what companies do. Just flat out, they companies will not be loyal to you just because that you did great work for them for 10 years, right? They'll be loyal to you if you provide them a very intangible service at all times for a good amount of money, for like a reasonable amount of money. They'll be loyal to you in that sense, but they're not going to, they're going to drop you as soon as they possibly can if they can make more money. Because that's, I mean, it's not to be a dick about it, but that's like, that's just how it works right now. Like that's how capitalism, that's how companies work. Like companies need to make money to be able to afford their own bills. They need to make money because their owners and their investors have put in a lot of their own money and their own risk. So they need to make sure that they're alive because they need to pay their own families. Like it's just, that's just capitalism. That's the, the society that we live in. So you have to be able to adapt to it. So you have to know that no matter how valuable you think you seem to the company, you're probably not that valuable like they could probably replace you and you have to go into it like that that's not to say that you should be completely disconnected like i know there's one person on youtube and i'm not going to call them out um is like extreme against doing anything extra for a company ever like he's like this is your job title this is what you've been told to do that's all you do and forever in the company don't give them a single minute extra never go out with them on lunch never connect with anyone just do your job like a factory worker in a programming company and get get out I don't believe in that. I don't think that that's good for you in the sense that you're going to be completely disconnected from your job and you're going to hate your life for eight hours a day for some reason just because, you know, just because you're doing that to yourself. It's it's not good for the companies, obviously, and that's going to reflect on your own performance evaluations. Like it is important to be somewhat invested in what you're doing. Because it's more important, like it, it makes you feel better when you actually do something good and it makes the company do better, in which case there's less of a chance of them letting you go. Yes, they can still let you go, but there's less of a chance if you're going to be helping them. So it there's this give and take situation. So you just need to find that balance of being a dick sometimes and standing up for yourself and and sometimes using the rules as a stickler to to do that. Right. And then also being able to be flexible and bend the rules sometimes uh, to show that you you do you are invested because some most of the time you are like you're doing this for eight hours a day or whatever. Like you're going to get invested. There's just there's no way around it. It's part of your life. You know, it's 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 interesting that you mentioned that because the, the, the thing the thing that came to mind when you were when you were going through that was. You know, that like that thing and like, I don't know. I don't know when this came to be. Maybe it's maybe it's been forever. But you know how we will if you if you go and talk to somebody new, like you never met somebody, you go to meet somebody, whatever it is, and you meet meet somebody and you're like, hey, what do you do? And that person identifies by their profession, right? That person identifies like that is their identity. They're like, I am a web developer. I am a car mechanic. I am a road work, like a person that fixes the roads, whatever they call themselves, right? I am like a construction worker, whatever. I'm a carpenter. Um that's how they identify. And like, first off, you know, if you love your job, then that's fine. But if you really think about it, like, I almost think that that might be part of the problem because the, there's people out there, right? Especially if you're in a department that's 24 seven, but there's people out there that expect you to be turned on all the time. If you think about like, okay, if you work in a factory, they might have some overtime shifts or whatever, but when you leave, okay you know, you can't do your factory work at home. You don't have the machines and all that. 
And there might be a thing where they expect you to always be available for overtime and stuff like that. You know, you could still be subject, subjected to it. But just in terms of like a logistic, if you just look at the logistics of it, logistically, you aren't able to do your work at home. In tech and in, you know, various office positions, there's going to be people out there that either they're like super invested in their profession and that's how they identify and that's all they do. Maybe they're super invested in that company. They're super invested in however it works, like whatever their thing. But what they might be doing is they might be, they might just assume you are turned on all the time, that you are always available like 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. or like 7 a.m. to like midnight or maybe they'll call you in the middle of the night and you pick up. Like they're always, because because their goal, they get their jollies, if you will, they get their jollies from doing whatever it is they do. You know, maybe they're an accountant, maybe they're a logistics expert for shipping things, maybe they're like whatever. And that's where they get their joy. Whereas I think a lot of us do a job Maybe we like it, we don't. I know a lot of people don't like the job, whatever, but not not to open that can of worms. But a lot of us do a job as a job, right? And then if it didn't, like, if it didn't pay, would you do it? Is the question, realistically, right? Like, for example. Oh, probably not. Exactly. Like, for, for example, quite literally, like, like, if someone asked me, like, what I do web developer, whatever, I'm an entrepreneur, whatever you want to call myself, right? I'll say one of those answers, right? One of the applicable answers. Uh, that's fine. But if it didn't pay, <laughs> like, would I be a web developer? Probably not. Maybe I would do a little web development for my own personal if I wanted a website. But I wouldn't be like, man, I got to learn this stuff and like learn how to support this stuff better. And it's not like I'm like hating my job or anything like that. But the, but, but the point is, is like, what would I be doing? It'd be probably like playing some video games and stuff, right? And that is actually, like, that's kind of my identity. But I don't, like, present that. You know what I mean? Where, like, we've been doing a video game podcast for, since, like, 2013 or something. We've been doing streams and YouTube channel and stuff like that for years. No money comes from that. I do clips and I do the old YouTube gang and yeah, I want it to be better and make some money. Sure. But here and there, but like, we're not like super serious about it. You know, all of us have day jobs and that type of thing. It's not, you know, it's, but we've been doing it for years because of the passion for, for gaming and for doing it. And even, you know, who cares? Like, Oh, I'm going to upload this and it's going to get zero views. We don't care. Like, it's just for fun, whatever. And like, that's like, that is my identity but I, I don't present it as it, if that makes sense, which is weird, right? It's like, because here, here, here's the weird thing. Here's the weird thing. We're, we're like, I don't know if it, I, I, I think it's related. I'm not a psychologist, but I think it's related. Like we've been going, you know, the whole world's been going through a rough time right now. There's a pandemic and all the rest of it. And her, you know, there's elections and crap. There's all kinds of crap going on. There's bad news all over the place, depending on what it is. Bad news, good news. I don't care. It's all over the place. There's news all over the place. Okay all over the place. And like what I started noticing myself doing was I was starting to see everything as a burden. Like I was like, Oh, here comes the, here comes the new consoles. Like I'm going to have to install a new Xbox now. And I caught myself doing that. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Like I used to be super excited for this and I'm looking at everything like a burden. And so like, I, like I started like self-correcting and stuff like that. And it was just like, I'm dealing with a bunch of family crap too. Whatever. I'm not going to get into that. But like the point of the matter is, is this like, I wonder if that's how a lot of people feel all the time where they look at it as like, they wake up and they just kind of like want to scroll their phone. Like maybe that's why people are scrolling their phones where they just want to scroll their phone because it's just something easy. And then when something comes up, no matter what it is, it's like, fuck, here we go again. 
you know, like some people will like take their car to the mechanic, let's say. And it's always a gamble if you're an odd professional. I always bring the car mechanic thing in, but it's like, it's like the one like hands-on thing that I like kind of I'm aware of (laughs) that I have to deal with, right? In the trades, I guess. So it's like, but if you think about it, like if you don't know what you're doing, you're going to go there and it's like a lottery. Is it going to be 500, 200, 100, 7,000? Like, you know, you don't know, (laughs) right? But some people go there and they just don't care. They're just like, hey, I got my car, whatever I'd take to the garage. And they're totally happy with it. Whereas like some people are like scared or they like delay it or they don't want to do it and whatever. And it's because even though that is a necessity that they just need to do, it's like they're looking again, I'm not a psychologist, but it's almost like they're looking at everything like a burden. So when it comes, if we bring it back to the web news, you, these people might love tech and might be super interested in servers and really want that server, that media server or whatever that they spun up to be up. But they like, don't, like they look at they look at it now after being beat down by whatever it was whether it was too much overtime or whatever and they now look at it as like like here we go again like there's another ticket about this damn media server you know and that's that's legitimately what I was doing like I was like oh, here we go again like another fucking update for this game and it was like I was turning my like personal uh identity into like my professional identity as well and they were both like in a like a in like a weird depressed state now i'm like kind of getting better whatever we've dealt with some family stuff and whatever i'm not gonna again i'm not gonna get into all that but the point is like i think it was critical and like i'm i'm critiquing myself so i'm biased but like i think it was critical that i caught myself doing that and being like i'm not even excited for this new xbox i'm just doing it because it's what i do and then, like, now I'm excited for it and, like, I'm getting a little better. But, like, like that's not good. And, like, I wonder how many people live like that, though. Like, we were going through a bunch of shit and it pushed me to that. But, like, and we're still going through some of it. So, it's like, I'm not 100% better. But it's, like, how many people live through that? Where it's like, oh, here we go. Like, I gotta go do this now. Gotta go to work and do this. Well, the damn boss won't give me my two weeks vacation. You know, stuff like that. And then it's just like, well, there it goes. Like, how many people are numb to their lives? <laughs> like, this is why it's hard probably to talk about, because it's like, I'm not a psychologist, but, like, is that true? Like, is that what's happening? Oh, it's probably it's probably happening all over the place. And like I said, that's why my thing was, like, give what you get, right? Now, it's really, like, this, and I want to emphasize this, it's a lot easier said than done. Oh, yeah. Um, because finding a new job or getting out of a bad situation in your current job and then, you know, turning it around to a good situation is, is very difficult. Um, just period. It's very difficult. And if you're in that situation where like you can't, you know, you can't get out of the, the funk or you, you, you know, your boss just won't give you that, what you need to be able to be a good worker, um, I sympathize like there's not much we can like I can't I'm again we're not a psychologist I'm not a social worker I'm not a really a a recruiter of any sort so like I I don't really have like any tangible advice to give in that situation because sometimes again you can't get out of it because you just you're in that situation where if you miss a paycheck you're done and putting that risk on yourself is just you can't do it so now you have to grind your way through it being positive or not positive might not help you in that situation. You might have tried being positive, right? A lot of people have tried many things in their job 
and nothing helped. They're just always beaten down. Like they're always getting that like, you know, you have to stay overtime for no pay. You don't get any vacation. You don't like you, your job just sucks. It, it's out there. Like there's ton, there's plenty of jobs that just suck in the IT, in the software development world, period. Like it's just every, every, in every sphere. Um, yeah, I don't have much advice for them and it's unfortunate, but like, again, try everything. Try as much as you can while you're working. You can still be looking for another job while you're still, while you're working for one job. So look for another job while, while you're like, you can still talk to your boss, like very, don't, don't be an asshole to him, but in, in a serious sense, you can talk to them and like a normal person, like a human being, like they're not some sort of otherworldly thing that you can't talk to. You can tell them what you're feeling, what you're feeling. And maybe that'll improve your environment. Who knows? Like you can try many things uh, to get out of it, but in the end, you get what you give. So if you're if if you're just getting beat down and you found a way to be a stickler and be able to get out of work at 5 p.m. every day because your job just sucks and you're not getting you're not getting heard and you're not getting any help, um, I don't know. I just do it. Be a stickler if that's the way out. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I I, I don't see. I, like I said, get what you give. If 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 people are going to be dicks to me in that sense, I will be a stickler to them. No problem. And and with that too is it's like it's like the whole escape thing. Like uh you know, if you have a if if you're a person that like you know, you 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 don't like your job anymore for whatever reason, you know, I think you need that personal identity. I don't think you need to keep focusing on that one identity. Like if you went into IT, if you went into like anything, you went into like landscaping for any you know whatever and you just hate it now you kind of need a path out maybe you're stuck whatever like the situation may be but maybe like it's time to focus a little bit on that personal identity like like if you are a stickler and you leave at five you find a way to leave at five every day are you now going home and thinking about and talking about and worrying about work the entire time when you're out or are you doing something like are you like a a, a, um i don't know a person that does like carving like are you a carver realistically you know what i mean like are you you your personal identity are you a carver by night and like a it person by day you know what i mean like i feel like there there needs to be that um there almost needs to be that personal versus professional persona and if they meld fine maybe you hate web developing in your office but you love doing web development or you love technology and then you build out an app for yourself right like you're like man i really want this app and like, you know, screw the market and screw everybody. I'm just going to build this thing because I want it. You know, if you really want to do that, go ahead, right? Like Mike and I have said, there's been times where like, because we don't hate our jobs, right? Like we're, we made the company. So, you know, there'll be ups and downs all over the place, of course, personal and professional. But, you know, when you come back to it, you know, there's times where on a Sunday afternoon, you'll be like, man, I really feel like writing an article or I really feel like putting together the show notes or I really feel like brainstorming this new thing. And so you go and you do it, Right. It's because you like felt like you need to do it, but there's still that personal, you know, persona. Like to me, to me, it's like, I, at the end of the day, I'm going to go like after this, I'm going to go, going to go play some games. Like, that's just what I'm going to do. Right. And so like, I need that, like, I need that separate, those two separate personas. Right. But I, but you also need to like, not hate both personas but if you have to hate both if you have to hate one persona try not to hate both is i guess what i'm trying to say right like me catching myself because i was because i had to go through the motions because there was so much bs happening in my personal life happening where i had to like deal with everything so everything became a burden like work and everything 
like I shouldn't, you know what I mean? Like I was just sort of being like, now I have to sit down and do work. Now I have to go and play this game. Now I have to go out for dinner. Now I have to, and that is truly how I was treating things. And that's not good because I was just starting to like apply the like survival mode, which sometimes you need to do right to get through shit. But I think it's critical again, not a psychologist or a social worker, but to catch yourself doing that. Could, could you imagine Mike, like you, you worked a crappy high school job or slash college, whatever. I did the same thing, right? Same thing. Could you imagine like leaving that job? Okay. Cause it wasn't like a, you know, an office job where they keep calling you. Imagine leaving that job and then obsessing it all, all the time, like obsessing it, obsessing over it so that it starts like distracting from your schooling. Cause we we're going to school, you know? So it starts like distracting you from your actual weekends off. It starts like screwing like that is where you need to like cut, like you need to stop that. Right. Or at least try to stop mm-hmm. that. I think that's the big critical thing. I think that's the problem. And like, yep. Once you start doing that, like, I mean, once, like, I mean, I had to go, like, once I got through my personal stuff, like, I'm now excited for the hat website again. I'm now excited for all this other crap. And like, I'm dealing, like I said, with a bunch of stuff that's been delayed and there's a bunch of red tape and there's a bunch of crap, but I'm not like depressed about it. Like, I'm just sort of like, oh, like, you know, it's, it is going through the motions, but it's like just part of the work. Whereas like, if it was a few weeks ago when I was doing this, I'd be like, here we go. Like, here we go again. You gotta do another podcast, Mike. (laughs) You know what I mean? Stuff like that. I feel as though you need that separation, but you need to make the most out of both parts, the personal and the professional. Yeah, I think that was a good summary of it. Um, And that was a good, like, you know, we found it during this web news. It's not like you came up with that before the web news. So that was interesting. Yeah, it's because it's it's because like, that's why I was struggling when I like I wrote the web news, like I wrote the, the, the notes. Just from my, like, from what I've been told or what I've seen from people, um, or what, like, I've read from people online or, like, Reddit or whatever, or even that, I know who you're talking about when you said that person says to only be, like, highly professional and don't go out for lunch and stuff like that. I know who you're talking about. I've learned from that person as well, uh, not to, like, call people out, but I know, I know what you're talking about. I know who you're talking about. And, like, you know, I've taken all that in, and this is the result, like, live. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, but yeah, don't hate your job if you can avoid it. And don't hate your personal <laughs> persona if you can avoid it. And please don't hate your personal persona. I think that's probably the more important one. Because like you can go work like I. it's not like people. It's not like I loved working for the factory, but I was still happy during that summer that I worked there because I still had those days off. Right. But if I obsessed over the work at the factory the whole time, then, you know, that's no good. And, like, it's not like I desperately hated it, but, I mean, it's a factory. I'm not like, hell yeah, let's go, let's go work on the line. You know, it's, no one's doing that, so. Uh, but anyway, yeah, uh, I think that really concludes it. Please know, again, that we are not social workers or any sort of psychologists or anything, so please consi- consult your medical professionals if you do need mental health support. Uh, wherever, wherever uh, or however your medical system works in your country. Uh, or wherever you're at currently. But uh, I think that's a good summary, Mike. I think I can run the old conclusion, unless you have anything else to add. No, no, I think that's it. Runner up. All right, well, remember we're on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash HTML, all the things, talking about capitalism. So give that a go. (laughs) 
And many thanks to our three dollar tier patron Sean from RabbitWorks JavaScript. Uh, find him at youtubecom JavaScript. Garrick from Lo- Garrick from Local Path Computing and Web Design at localpathcomputing.com. Ryan Gatchel from Blue Black Digital via blueblackdigital.com. Chris from Selfmade Web Designer via selfmadewebdesigner.com. Tim from The Web Hacker via thewebhacker.com. DL Ford from dlford.io and Bib Hashdash from Twitter via at Bib Hashdash. Feel free to leave a comment or a review on the platform that you are listening to this on. And I'm going to let this outro sign us off. You've been listening to HTML All The Things Podcast. Web development, web design, and small business. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you appreciate that we talk to you like human beings. And we hope you had some fun. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at HTML All The Things. And on Twitter at HTML Everything. Until next time, this is HTML All The Things. Signing off.